Well, a great evening to everyone out there, and welcome back to this week's installment of The Bama Factor with Alex Taylor. I'm your host, as always, Alex Taylor. And for the third straight week, ladies and gentlemen, we have the legend Cody Saxon here with us again. Cody, how are you for the third straight week? Doing good, buddy. Uh, excited. Uh, now Alabama's coming off that bye week, so I know we got a lot to break down as far as uh, – what we expect to see this upcoming weekend getting back into it on the gridiron. So I'm excited about this week's episode and always glad to be with you, my friend. Yes, sir. We're always glad to have you here on with us. So obviously, yes, as Cody said, you know, Alabama coming off of the bye week um, very much. I, I mean, they had to have it, I think, you know, eight grueling weeks of very competitive ball. Um, SEC schedule on the road at Mississippi State, uh, Texas A&M, several, um, several key matchups that uh, they came out pulling a victory from. So uh, the off week was, um, I think, very productive, heard a lot of good things about it. We're just kind of going to drop a few things about you. So obviously last night, uh, the first CFP rankings came out in the CFP show last night on ESPN. For those of y'all who didn't catch it, uh, so now the AP poll was kind of uh, – it really doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, for the first eight weeks, it really does. It kind of states where people are at. But from here on out, the CFP poll is what really matters uh, going forward to the end of the season until Selection Sunday. So the Crimson Tide came in at eight in the first CFP poll. LSU comes in at 14. Obviously, LSU coming in at six and two, Alabama coming in at seven and one. Uh, so, first CFP poll that's the, that's Alabama's lowest ranking uh, since I believe two thousand and I want to say two thousand and fifteen. I believe when they um, uh, when they were I think the first one they were at number six. Uh, so the initial CFP poll. Number eight for the Tide. I like the spot. Um, obviously, everything's in front of the Crimson Tide at this point. Uh, so, Cody, what's your opinion on the spot at eight there? Yeah, and I think I think that's a good spot for us to be sitting. I know that the uh, the seven in front of us are definitely going to be doing a lot of shifting around um, over these next few weeks, especially towards the end uh, when you get into some uh, conference championships and whatnot. Obviously, we know Michigan, Ohio State. Florida State, all their records are kind of up in the air. Um, obviously, you know, things stay on course. Georgia Georgia versus Alabama might end up being. So, I like where we're at now, but all I got to say is there's a few weeks of football left, and it's going to get interesting. Yeah, I agree entirely. Um, it kind of surprised me with Ohio State at one. Um, and – I mean, I guess I could just – the statement of Georgia's strength of schedule. I mean, outside of the top 10 CFP team, Georgia does have the weakest strength of schedule at 100. Uh, and, you know, Michigan really doesn't have a good strength of schedule either. Alabama actually has the toughest of any. They have the eighth strength of schedule. Uh, so, eight strength of schedule at the eighth spot. Uh, kind of ironic. But, but yeah, uh, I mean, like, I always have to say, kind of like you said, those seven teams – above them are going to do a lot of shifting in the upcoming weeks. And hopefully we're also one of those teams that shifts in the upward, um, in the upward uh, trend uh, headed into these games as well. Uh, so, uh, and then as far as uh, Alabama uh, 
is on health-wise. Obviously, in the Tennessee game, we had a few players kind of get dinged up, a few players out for that game. Uh, Tresman Marshall, uh, inside linebacker, is the first one to come to mind. Uh, he could have played in the Tennessee game, uh, but they decided to hold him out. Obviously, that showed the emergence of, Jah- um, of uh, Jihad Campbell. Uh, but Tresman Marshall should be good to go uh, for LSU this Saturday. And Terrion Arnold also left the game with a uh, concussion. Uh, but he cleared concussion protocol practice all last week, has practiced all this week. Uh, but Trey Amos did a really good job coming in for him against Tennessee and had some very, very, very key plays there in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I've heard practice was good in the bye week, and, and it was all kind of keeping everything their, um, everything really in their head uh, was the main uh, focus of practice, uh, was just, you know, keeping their head about them and, you know, keeping that mantra uh, keeping the physicality uh, and minimizing any of the errors and the mental errors, because I think when you go into a bye week, you know, you play eight straight. I mean, you're playing eight, sometimes nine weeks of football. And, you know, you get to a point where you're literally not only exhausted physically, but you're also just be obviously in the mind as well. So I think it's important that, you know, you do give, your body and your mind a break in that week, but you also don't lose that. You really don't lose your edge though. I think that's very important in, in that week. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially uh, with the bye week you know, like you said, uh, everybody always talks about how much extra practice people get, but it's also easy to get out of the groove of things. And, you know, they need to keep the positivity and the, uh, the energy from the big win in the last game that they did play going through it. So, yeah, I think that's really important to hold on to that. And I, hopefully, uh, like you said, from the sounds of it, it seems like they have, and hopefully they've dialed in and uh, will carry that through this game. I agree completely. And um, so now, uh, obviously, we're going to jump in uh, to uh, kind of the whole preview of Alabama's opponent, LSU, uh, one of the biggest – uh, games of the year each year usually determines uh, the winner of the SEC West, as it seems it will do that again this year, as it did last year. So I'm going to turn it over to our stats guy, and who else? Obviously, Cody. Uh, he's got some stats, and he's got some team comparisons um, for us as well. So, Cody, you go ahead and just take it away with those stats. Absolutely, buddy. So first, I kind of want to take a look at, at Alabama um, as a team. Uh, so they've been putting up 30 points per game, um, just a little bit upwards of 30, actually, um, which, you know, you can you can look at some of the games where we had low scoring first halves or we kind of died off at the end. I know we've talked about the need for that consistency to stay at the same tempo, the same consistency, the same energy and the same productivity throughout the entire game. So uh, I do think that we have been seeing seeing a good trend. Um, and I think that we'll continue to see that. Now, defensively, I've been giving up 16.5 points per game. Um, now, you can look at a couple of the games where we gave up higher scoring. Uh, that'll definitely tilt the data in that direction. Um, but as far as the defense, we I know we've talked about, um, they've definitely been in a, in a positive trend as far as uh, figuring out and how they're becoming quite an elite class that we have here um, this year. So, yeah, it's just the points per game uh, and how much we're giving up there. And then uh, rushing-wise this season, they've got uh, 1,487 total rushing yards, um, and they've given up 1,124. So the rushing defense, like I said, you know, these last few weeks, it seems like they've been uh, figuring it out a little bit more. I know they were giving up a lot early, um, but 
like I said, all these things seem to be positive trending numbers. Um, as far as passing uh, this season, um, they've got 1756, um, giving up 1581. So the numbers are a little bit narrower than we'd like to see as far as how much the defense is giving up, but the slight edge um, that the offense has been keeping um, over their opponents has led us to obviously what we know is our seven and one record now. Um, now, as far as LSU goes, um, their team stats, uh, their points per game have been uh, 47.4. So they've been putting up some big numbers. Um, um, you know, we've talked about the multiple threats they have on their offense. Um, so we know that they are uh, multi-layered offense, and we know that they're going to have quite the challenge. Um, however, I do think that Alabama's defense, uh, with what they've shown as far as improvement, is up for the test. Uh, but, yeah, we know that they've been putting up 47 um, points per game. And uh, as far as their passing yards, um, 2,700, um, just a little over that this season. So they, they've definitely been uh, finding a groove. However, we have seen a few of their weaknesses um, throughout this season. All that being said, um, if you want to break down a little bit on the individual stats for LSU and kind of what we're looking at um, this season, uh, or not this season, this game. <clears throat> that Daniels has been uh, their starting quarterback. Uh, he's been making up for a lot of the yards, both in the air and on. Um, so, yeah, he's right behind their starting uh, running back, Diggs, with the yards uh, for this season. He's got 521 uh, right behind their starting running back, which has 611. So he's been putting up uh, major numbers, 2,500 through the air, um, a little the dual threat quarterback, and he is, I think, the biggest threat moving forward. But like I said, um, obviously we know we got Dallas Turner, and we've got a strong defensive uh, defensive line, only showing improvement. And our linebackers have been doing a really good job stepping up, as well as our defensive backs and our safeties. Man, they've just all been stepping up. So I think they'll be able to neutralize that threat as well, um, as long as we can contain neighbors. Um, I think we'll also be good through the air as well. Um, now, tackles-wise, their defense has been putting up uh, putting up a defensive a defensive battle every game that I've seen. They've been fighting. Um, you know, they got Greg Penn making some big tackles, big sacks, um, leading their team as far as tackles go. So, really, just breaking down breaking down all that. Um, we know that LSU's got got the weapons on offense and on defense. Um, now, we know that Milrow uh, has been a little inconsistent for us. Having said all that about their defense, I do think that our offense is going to have a little bad defense. And hopefully that number we saw with average per game, hopefully this game will boost that number up a little bit. And I think we will see that Alabama is going to have a very offensively productive game. So having said all that, I'll bounce it back to you, and we can break it down a little bit more uh, moving forward. Oh, for sure. And, you know, uh, and we always appreciate the stats. Cody always – up to date on all of his homework stats-wise, and we appreciate that as always. Uh, and, and, and yeah, just kind of going off of that, I, and, you know, we're going to talk about the keys in the game, so I don't really want to jump ahead of myself. But, yeah, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's going to be containing Daniels. Uh, it's going to be slowing down papers. Um, it, it, I mean, it's going to have a collection of, you know, slowing down also Brian Thomas um, Jr. as well, who has 732 yards receiving as well. But – if you really look at those two, they're having great years. 
Um, it seems like Brian Thomas has actually been his go-to a little bit more. He's got 11 touchdowns. <clears throat> but after that, it kind of drops off a bit. Um, and, you know, Jaden Daniels, he does like to take off. But here's, I think, the Achilles heel for, um, for LSU. Jaden Daniels has been sacked over 20 times this year now. I mean, I don't really have any room to talk. You know, Jalen Miller has been sacked 32 times this year. Um, but with LSU, how they're coming in, their Achilles heel is obviously their defense. Um, usually you see an, a pretty good LSU offense paired with a pretty good defense. Well, this year that's simply not the case. Uh, LSU number 117 in total defense this year. And the only reason that their average per game is below 400 now is because of the Army game. If you take away the Army game, instead of giving up 395 yards total a game, they're giving up 438 a game. So, obviously, they got 758 yards of total offense put on them by Ole Miss. Um, Missouri put over 600 on them. Arkansas, a 2-16, and 16, put over 587 on them. Average yards per attempt they're giving up in passing is 7.6. They're giving up almost 248 yards passing a game. And also, uh, total yards gained against them as well. Uh, in the rushing department, uh, they're giving up almost per game, almost 160 a game. So the defense is just really not up to the standard this year. And opponents on third down conversions are a little under 50% uh, for them. And on fourth down, they're over 50%. Uh, and as far as as far as interceptions, there really hasn't been a ton of interceptions from them either they they only have three and last year I believe they had 10 or 12 um only 14 points off the turnovers this year they've given up 212 points total now they scored a lot I will say that uh but they also um they also have been having a lot of penalties this year as well on offense and the defensive side of the ball so I think that's something to really look at going forward uh for sure but um but, yeah, so I think as we get into really talk about this, I think we're going to really dissect uh, kind of what we have to do. So kind of going off of that, going into segment two, we're going to talk about the Alabama offense first. And I think this is the game that they need a absolute statement game. Like this is the game where Jalen Milrow and Jason McClellan, Jermaine Burton, Isaiah Bond, uh, that offensive line, uh, Amarin Kai Black, who I will talk about in just a second as well, have something very special to say about him. I think this is where Tommy Reese has got to dial it in. He's going against his former head coach, Brian Kelly, obviously when they were in Notre Dame. Uh, so, Cody, I think it's safe to say that Alabama's offense has been inconsistent in certain games this year. Like they're like Arkansas, for example. You know, they started off quick. You know, it was boom, boom, boom in the first half. And then in the second half, it's like they hit a wall. In Tennessee, they started off slow. But then, boom, in the second half, they, they, they just erupted after halftime. So I think it starts off with the consistency of the offense. I think you have to maintain the level of consistency in this game. Yeah, I think that's a huge – I think also just like pacing the offense. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of, of dumb errors. Um, you know, snaps going, you know, un, like just snaps early, snaps late. Uh, just the little things uh, that we've seen um, – on the offense that have just thrown off the groove every time it seems like that they lose that 
that groove. They'll hit three or four plays, get a nice stride going, and then something will happen, a penalty or, you know, the offensive line. It doesn't read their gap, and it just the, the pocket collapses, and it's always something. And it's always a it's either a turnover here or a bad snap here. It's always one little thing. So I think just pacing themselves, keeping the keeping the consistency, like you said, I think just staying consistently playing well, level head on their shoulders. Um, I know it just sounds cliche, but just play under pressure like you're not under pressure. Uh, you just got to keep that composure. And I think in those moments, if they can do that consistently through the whole game i don't think they have anything to worry about we know the talents there um we know the the multiple threats on offense are there i think that like you said just consistently playing well um and carefully and cautiously i think that that's you know that's where they're going to find their they're going to find their groove and find their success oh for sure and you know i've got a and i've got a huge key that really has to do with the offense uh for this game that I'm going to say in um, our final segment. and uh, But I've got a huge key uh, that I am going to say as well. But then I think that also goes with the offensive line, you know, being consistent as well. And, you know, we kind of saw that, you know, uh, the offensive line really for about, I will say, I think the offensive line is really battle-tested now because they've gone up against a good front like Texas. They've gone up against um, a senior blade front in Arkansas. You know, they went up against a pretty good front in Mississippi State. Obviously, Texas A&M had a great front. Tennessee had a great front. And I think that's just preparing, and you kind of have these growing pains, but I think I've seen a lot of growth in the offensive line, especially in the Tennessee game in the second half of how they were just blowing people off of the line. They were they were being very physical at the point of attack, um, getting their shoulders low, lowering their, their um, uh, center of gravity, and just really, really driving guys off the line. And, you know, that's what we're going to have to have this game. And Kind of speaking of the Alabama offense against the LSU defense, uh, some some huge, some like groundbreaking news for the LSU defense. Four guys in the secondary are out this game, and and their secondary has has already been suspect to say the least this year. And again, I am in no way saying that they are not talented, but they also have their their leading uh, tackler and sack leader out as well on the defensive line. Uh, this game as well. So they're without five starters on the defensive side of the ball of one that's already struggling, but they do have Harold Perkins, who was a freshman All-American a year ago. Um, very good player at inside linebacker. He's been playing some outside this year. He's been crushing the passer this year as well. Uh, so I think he presents a challenge uh, to the offensive line. But kind of going back uh, to that, without that presence on the defensive line, and Cody, I know you'll appreciate this, the running game has got to get established in this game. And you've got, I think you've got to use Jace and Cordell and Jam and Justice Haynes. I think you need to rotate these guys. Like, I really think you need to hit LSU with everything you've got in their running game and keep fresh legs and just keep pounding the rock. I mean, I want to see at least as a team, I want to see 40 – to 50 carries really combined for this whole team. Like in this game, like I think if you do that and you wear them down, wear them down, wear them down, I think that's going to open up their vulnerable. Uh, like you've got the only guy with really any good experience in the secondary, I think is Sage Ryan. And he's kind of their star position player. He plays inside linebacker, but he plays a little bit of the star position as well. So they're having to kind of move him around. But these other guys, two torn ACLs, two guys are in the doghouse and aren't playing and aren't practicing. So you've got some really young guys who don't have a lot of experience, especially against SEC opponents starting this game. And I think you got to get the running game established and 
if that gets established, the receivers have got to beat the secondary on the deep ball. Because we all know Jalen Miller, there's three things in this life that are absolutely um, for sure. You got death, you got taxes, and you got a Jalen Miller deep ball. So, I mean, those are the three things in life that I can pretty much 100% count on that are that are going to happen. He's been consistent with it, and I think the running game opens that, but I think that's where it starts, though. That opens up the play-action game. Yeah, I agree, and you know I've been saying it. I think that the key, the key to it is establishing uh, a dominant run game, and, you know, I've, I've said it before, to open up, you know, uh, RPOs and open up play action, man. I think that uh, being able to diversify like that and you can always catch one part, one level of the defense on their heels um, if you establish a dominant run game. Having said that, we know what Jalen Milrow can do with his arm deep, 40-plus yard passes with ease, with accuracy. And like you said, with that LSU secondary already being a little hurt, um, much, you know, as much as it already was at disadvantage in the, in these match, some of these matchups. Um, but you know, McClellan has been my man since day one. Halfway through last season, I said, look out for him next year. Unfortunately, like we've talked about the consistency, some of the play calling issues we had the first half of this season. But I think this game is going to be a repeat of last game as far as the volume and how many touches the running backs get. And I agree with you 100%. Keep a fresh set of legs. It doesn't have to be all McClellan. It doesn't even have to be 50-50 between him and Roydell. But I want to see a good rotation of these guys pounding that ball. And guess what? Their average run, you know, average yards per run is enough to establish a dominant enough to, hey, even if the passes aren't opening up, our run game is capable of carrying. But worst-case scenario, if they start getting slowed down, their their consistency and their frequency is going to open up the pass option as well. So, yeah, I agree 100%. Those are definitely keys to this offense establishing uh, multiple threats in this game. I agree. And then as we round out this um, offensive uh, talk on on this side, uh, there's one more key that, that I think really this offense really needs to take it to the next level and we saw it in the Tennessee game, especially in the second half. And I was so glad that Tommy Reese finally is starting to open this up. But I think the last wrinkle in the offense this year, now you have a first-year coordinator. He's younger. He's in a new system. He, and he's using athletes that, frankly, he's never really had before at Notre Dame. I mean, he hasn't had the five-star receiver and the and the 6'4", 230-pound quarterback who can run a 4'3 flat. And – and, you know, he hasn't had the plethora of tailbacks and, you know, a six foot six and a six foot six tied in on each side. I mean, and he hasn't had an offensive line that's larger than any offensive line in the NFL. I mean, so he's adjusting. And, you know, it's also a new system. It's SEC ball. It's actually against some pretty good. It's actually against the defense each week. Uh, so kind of having to adjust to that as well. But I think the last wrinkle that has needed to be ironed out in this offense is letting Jalen Milrow use his feet. And we saw in the second half of Tennessee, he called a lot of quarterback runs. I mean, a lot of these options, a lot of these read options. And here's the thing, Milrow is very good at that. Now, there was about two or three in the Tennessee game where he should have kept it. And we got like two or three yards with Jays or Cordell, I think. But if Jalen would have kept it, he probably would have gotten, you know, 20 or 30 yards. But I think his reading needs to get a little better. But for the most part, he's pretty good at those. And, and I mean, I'm just saying, 
LSU is going to use Jaden Daniels that same way. We need to fire back with that as well because we have a guy who can do it. Not saying that Bryce couldn't, but Jalen is a a a hard running quarterback, and he's and there's nobody on that field who's catching him. I mean, if he gets an open, there's nobody who's catching him. And I think he needs to use his feet. I don't think he needs to be timid in using his feet. I think he's got to be eager to use that and to extend plays and, and to roll out of the pocket. I always used to say, especially when we had guys like Jake Coker and Jalen Hurts when he was a freshman, I said they were always their best when they rolled out to when they rolled them outside of the pocket and they can make plays with their feet. And we saw Bryce Young create a lot of plays with his uh, feet. We saw Tua like the same thing. He still does it in the NFL. Bryce is doing it in the NFL. Jalen Hurts for your Eagles. He does it in the NFL. When he rolls to his right, it's almost unstoppable. He's going to find someone open. So, or he's going to create it with his, obviously his legs. So I think Jalen Milrow, I think Tommy Reese needs to have, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. And I know this may be a little bit of a high, high expectation, but I want to see about 12 or 13 design QB draws or read options in this game for, I think, Jalen Milrow. I think if you have about that high volume of that to add to the running game from Jason Fordell and the other guys, I think that complements it even more. Because then if you got the LSU secondary who is already who is already struggling and they don't want to get beat deep and then they, and then they drop everybody, well, Jalen can take off. Well, then if they got to come up and start stacking the box, they're going to get beat deep. So I think if you force them to play your own game and they know they got to defend Jalen Milrow when – he takes off, or he can beat them deep. It's going to be a long night for LSU if they don't catch on. Yeah, 100%. I think, and I know we've said it and we'll say it again, it's uh, creating that multiple threat um, where you can catch the defense on their heels. Dude, yeah, I think that I think it's going to be a long night. If Alabama can establish that early, I think it's going to be a long night for LSU. I agree completely. And then so that's just the last thing that I want to see from there. So offense – Got to take advantage of against a against a very depleted LSU defense. So speaking of defense, we're going to hop to the Crimson Tides now and talk about their challenge against the LSU offense that has been very dynamic this season with Jay Daniels and Malik Davis and Brian Thomas Jr., Logan Diggs, John Emery, everybody that they have, and like obviously their tight end. Uh, I think uh, let's see, Mason Taylor. So, the Bama defense last year, let's just be honest, guys, they collapsed at LSU last year. You know, they did sack Jane Daniels seven times last year, uh, held the run game in check for the most part. Uh, but outside of that, um, just, oh, man, just how they collapsed and just not reading where Jaden Daniels was going. They got beat on several big runs uh, by him. Uh, so the collapse last year, I think, sets up an opportunity for like a bounce back this year, same way we collapsed at Tennessee last year. And, you know, Dallas Turner spoke earlier this week about he's excited about the opportunity to play Jaden Daniels again. Um, and also Justin Aboyby states that this game is someone that everybody's really been motivated for the entire year. I mean, especially Tennessee and, and LSU, you know these guys from that team last year. And, you know, Aboyby didn't even get to play in this game last year. Um, you know, obviously he had a – a uh, season-ending injury. Uh, so I know he's excited about it. We have a lot of guys from the state of, of, of Louisiana who are really excited about this game as well, always are. Um, you know, they're coming into our house. I mean, they beat us last year. Uh, they took our spot in the SEC championship. So, I mean, I think at this 
at, at this point, I mean, like, it is something to get up for. And But you shouldn't have to get up for it just because of what happened last year. You should get up for it anyway. And that's what Dallas Turner said as well. Um, but I don't think there's any denying that the Alabama defense has a challenge against the LSU offense. And like Cody and I said, it it starts with containing, obviously, Jaden um, – and obviously Tabers as well. I mean, because those two, it seems like they've had a hookup all year long. Uh, and I think it starts there. I mean, like, you've got to make him uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. And I think that – and I know, you you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but I think the key to that is definitely going to be, um, you know, how we position how we position our linebackers. And as far as contain and spies, I think that, you know, with, with Daniels being the threat that he is – um, if we can limit his opportunities uh, outside of what, you know, the drawn play is, I think doing that, I think our defense is capable of shutting down, um, you know, the avenues that you would expect to see. So <clears throat> expect the unexpected, right? And I think if they can go in there with that that mentality, I think they'll be able to limit it. And I know Dallas Turner, um, obviously we know that he's been kind of leading our defense and what he's capable of. Um, I think, you know, with him, uh, Braswell, I just think – I think they've got the right guys out there on defense and able to do that. I think if we can just establish it early on and uh, throw them off their groove out the gate, I think we'll we'll be off, you know, off to a pretty good start. I agree. And see, what LSU is really going to do on offense and that I really recognize that they really try to do is, you know, it's these short underneath passes that they start out with and then they beat you deep. Uh, you know, they kind of dink and dunk you to death and – then, you know, they hit you with something long after that. You know, I've seen it all year. You know, there are a lot of underneath routes. It's a lot of mesh concepts. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of slant patterns. It's a lot of, you know, curl routes and, you know, five-yard uh, stops and, you know, seven-yard outs. And, you know, it's just a little quick passes. So, they know the pass rush of Alabama. And, you know, that game plan will be to get the ball out as quick as possible. Now, hopefully – you know, our corners and our safeties and our star position can break on those balls and, you know, maybe force a turnover. I mean, I think in this game, I think you're going to have to have uh, a turnover like you did in the Tennessee game, whether it's a fumble recovery or whether it's it's a uh, interception or a pick six as well. See, I think if you really establish the momentum in this game, and I don't think Jay Daniels in his career has ever had a pick six against him. I don't think he has. Now, I may be wrong, but I have never seen him throw a pick six. And obviously he's thrown interceptions, but – uh, I don't think he's thrown a pick six. So, um, now, that would be a first. And, you know, because that does something to the psyche of a quarterback never thrown one. Because then if you've never thrown one, how do you respond to it? Like, you don't know what to – like, I mean, that's totally new territory there. So, if we can create some takeaways in this game and we can really capitalize off of field position in this game as well, I think with Jane Daniels, too, and I think Saban preached on this, you can't rush past the quarterback. Like, your inside shoulder of whoever the edge guy is, you can't rush past him and let him step and let him step up in the pocket. You have to collapse the pocket on your terms, not his terms. And we did that last year um, against LSU. You know, if you go back and you look, you know, Anderson and Turner and Braswell, they really did a good job of that last year on times. But then the times when – he escaped and got away is when they rushed too far past him. So I think it's containing inside and then having a linebacker come on the other side and force him back and um, a um, obviously uh, to the other way. Um, but I, Cody, I really thought about this and I want to get your opinion. I think Kevin Steele's game plan 
to minimize the big plays of this offense and the quick passing threats. I think something that maybe Jane, I think something that Jane Daniels really hasn't seen this year is maybe some disguised coverages. And I know Kevin Steele can do that because he did a lot in the second half against Joe Milton, and we saw a tale of two halves there. I mean, Joe Milton was firing on all cylinders for 178 yards in the first half for two touchdowns, and he only ended up passing for 46 in the second half and zero touchdowns, and he turned the ball over and got sacked three times. Or, I'm sorry, sacked four times. So, and didn't have anywhere to go. And was overthrowing guys, was was constantly pressured, was confused by reads. And so, I think that's something you got to do is, you know, come out like you're showing cover two, but then drop back into cover three. Show like you're showing man drop into his own. I mean, show blitz, then drop. Or show drop, then blitz. And I think you've got some delayed stunts that he'll call. I think you've got some delayed blitzes he'll call. I think you've got some spies that he'll call that they don't expect. And I think it's not necessarily the quantity, but it's the it's how spaced out those calls are going to be just to keep them on their heels. It's not going to be obvious. It's I think I think this week off really gave Kevin Steele that extra time to say, how can I, how can I come out and put the defense in our three, four multiple, and how can I put us in either the nickel or in the dime or in the quarter or the dollar formation where it confuses the heck out of Jaden? Yeah, I think, dude, I think that'll be critical in like third down scenarios. I think creating that, un, like, oh, this isn't what I thought. But also being able to contain him at that point, I think if you throw curveballs at him, you can't let him hit home runs. You feel me? Like you can't, you can't allow sure. him to do what he's good at when he starts getting compromised. So if we're able to cut Dak back, you know, we're able to get ahead of that, as well as putting some of these disguise coverages out there. Oh yeah, dude, I think that would tear him up on third down. I think that'll create some huge, um, you know, huge momentum for the defense to to help them, you know, limit what he's able to do. Yes, I yes I agree. Um, I think, uh, and you know, to your point, that's the last key of this. Is you know we got to get off the field on third down. You know that's key of keeping that offense off of the field. And again, it's just I'm just seeing in this game, and I hope I'm right on this. But I'm just seeing that, you know, I think guys like Kool Aid and Caleb Downs and Jalen Key and Malachi Moore are are really due for and can just really almost bait Jaden to throw the ball and, and just break on that ball. And if we can do that and we can um, and we can force him into an interception potentially too, I, I, I like our chances in that and then capitalize off of that. I think points off the turnovers is huge in this game. And obviously creating turnovers and taking care of the ball, obviously, on offense. Um, so with that, we're going to jump into our questions and predictions and keys to the game. So the first key to the game is obviously keeping Jake Daniels contained. We talked about it this entire episode. I mean, that's, I think, the main key right now is, you know, keeping him contained, making him uncomfortable. And here's the thing. We have 32 sacks on the year on the defensive side. You know, our, our guys have been getting after it all year long. Turner, Braswell, Keenan, Otis, Lawson, Campbell, Trezor Marshall, everybody's been really after it this year. Um but what has really gotten quarterbacks off of the rhythm too? I'll say it like my dad always says: that you don't have to, you don't have to always sack the, the uh, QB. You have to affect him. 
you have to make him uncomfortable because sometimes that's even better than a sack because sometimes it forces them to throw when they don't want to, and boom, you have a pick. Or boom, you have a fumble. Or boom, you have a bad choice on third down. I mean, so you just got to get to him. You just got to make him feel pressure. And I think if you feel the pressure all night and you and they make him feel the pressure and they're coming from that blind side and Dallas Turner's going to be coming – I mean, like he's – He's going to be off that edge, and he's going to be coming really fast. I mean, and, and strong bull rusher type of guy. I'm telling you, I and with Braswell with the technique he has, I'm telling you, um, I really think he's. I really think we're going to see something from the front, and I think the defense is ready to prove a lot of people wrong because I'm pretty sure they've heard all week long the last two. So LSU's offense is going to do this too. LSU's offense is going to do this, and I might add. And I'll save this for the end of the episode. In fact, I'm going to say what I was just about to say for the end of the episode because I think it goes better there. But I think that's the first one. And going with that, I don't – you can't – you – as uh, Kool-Aid and Terrion and Caleb and all them, you can't give up a deep ball. I mean, you've got to keep uh, Brian Thomas Jr. and Tabers and um, Lacey and Taylor in front of you. You can't give up anything deep. You, I mean, like you can't bite on any of the fakes. You just got to keep your guy in front of you, and you've got to play good ball without committing any pass interferences, any holdings. Just keep him in front and play your game on that. So I think those are the top two that really, really, really have to be in this game. Yeah, I agree, dude. I think if we can if we can do that, um, we, we've talked about with the disguise coverages and as far as all that goes, yeah, dude, I think if we're able to do those two things, it, it'll at least limit them to the point uh, where our offense will be able to gain that advantage uh, point wise, and I know we're going to get into the point predictions here in a second, so we're just going to hold on to that one. Indeed. Now, the offense, I think for the offense, they've got to exploit, like we said, on the LSU defense. They have to exploit that. I mean, they're struggling this year. Yeah, they shut out Army, but it's Army. I mean, I mean outside of that, you gave up 39 to Missouri, you gave up 55 to Ole Miss. You know, yeah, you only gave up 17 to Mississippi State, but they don't have a great offense. You gave up 31 to Arkansas at home and over 580 yards, and you won on a field goal. So, I mean, and, you know, you gave up 45 to Florida State, you know, 31 of that in the second half. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, a team that that does struggle on defense, and the offense has got to exploit that. I mean, you got to exploit the weaknesses. I mean, just like anything, you know, you've got to see that and you've got to capitalize off of that. And, and I mean, like you've got to see blood in the water and you've got to go after it. And, I mean, you got to keep hitting them where it hurts. Keep hitting them, keep hitting them, keep hitting them. I mean, like, don't go away from it. I mean, in the words of Bear Bryant, I'm going to run that play until you stop it. So, just I don't care. We run the same play over and over and over again all night long. Until they stop it, let's do it. Um, and more than this, Cody, I mean, I think you and I both agree on this. This game's just personal. I mean, just like the Tennessee game, it's personal. I mean, it, it's – I mean, even Chris Braswell said it in his press conference yesterday. This game is very personal. Then He says all throughout the offseason when times when they would get tired or when they would, you know, maybe think, oh, man, I'm, I'm tired. I want to go home. I want to do this. He said he would just remind himself of the Tennessee and LSU games last year when they were, all their fans stormed on the field. You know, they ruined our playoff hopes. They They – they kept us out of the SEC title, ruined our dreams. I mean, just just they they remember those. And I think a year of that aggression and that anger and just the bitterness of, of how that really tasted a year ago is is 
I mean, it's personal. I mean, I mean, in the words of Michael Jordan, and I took that personally. I mean, so it, it, I think every single guy on that team, especially the defense last year, took that game personally. And I think this year in our house, I think they are so prepared. And it's not going to be a letdown, and that's what they're trying to avoid. And they're going to say, we got to reclaim what's ours. Because, I mean, LSU's got a little cockiness about them. LSU's got saying, hey, we can hang with Alabama. They're like, hey, we beat Alabama, so – in the words of Nick Saban, after they beat us in 2019, before the game in 2020, he said they probably have a little bit of confidence that they can play with Alabama, and they think that they can, obviously, and they and they think they can play with us. Well, we're going to have to change the way that they think, and I agree with that. We're going to have to change the way they think, and that's the mentality that I I I hope we have, and I think we will have. I think the game is just downright personal. Yeah, I agree, and I think I think we saw that at Tennessee this year. Um, it was personal there, and I think it's going to be personal again this weekend. Hopefully, it'll be the same outcome. Indeed. And the last key, three words, time of possession. I'm making a prediction. Alabama possesses the ball more than 35 minutes of the game. They win. Time of possession in this game is key. You keep LSU's offense off the field. You keep your defense fresh. You wear down that defense that's struggling and you go in for the kill, and you keep that ball moving, and you have seven and eight, nine-minute drives that result in touchdowns. If you have three drives that result in 21 points that are seven minutes or greater, we win the game. Yeah. Hands down, we win the game. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be crucial. Um, You can the first foremost limit the opportunity that Daniels has is, hey, (laughs) keep him off the field. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So now, just with the time we have left remaining, um, I'm going to answer some questions very quickly. So, what must Alabama do to avoid a letdown from the bye week? I mean, I just think, you know, kind of what we just talked about, you know, keeping the focus in their mind, you know, working on the fundamentals. And, you know, that's kind of what they did in the bye week. That's kind of like what you go back to is, you know, you kind of freshen up on those a bit. And, you know, you keep the main thing the main thing. And I think just not becoming complacent, I mean, that's – I mean. That's the only answer I got for that. Yeah. Uh, not letting the – okay, I'll pull, I'll pull a, a Batman quote here uh, from The Dark Knight Rises where Bane tells him victory has defeated you. I don't want them to take this victory from Tennessee uh, as a place to get complacent where he thinks, ah, or where they think, ah, I have the – we've got it in the bag now. We figured it out. No, nah, man, y'all had two weeks – Two weeks to dial in, two weeks to give it everything you had, two weeks to draw up the schemes and the plans and the plays to, to take this. And this is coaching and players as well. So I think as long as they got the head on their shoulders of like, hey, we're going into this like this is the championship. We're going into this like this is everything, the whole season. Put it all out there. We've had two weeks to prepare. We've had twice as long to prepare. Now it's time to go in there and execute uh, to the highest level like we saw in that second half of that Tennessee game. Agreed completely. So next says, who are the X factors for this game on offense and defense? I wanted to say this at the beginning of the episode, but I saved it for this. X factor on offense. I also made a post about this on Instagram. Y'all, y'all can go check that out. Tight end, Amari Black. I think he's an X factor in this game. He's six foot six, a little over 200 pounds. Plays like a wide receiver, has great speed, great hands, can win a lot of the 50-50 balls. I don't even think it's really 50-50. I think it's more 70-30, maybe 80-20. Because the tallest guy that is going to be matched up with him is six foot three. 
and that's potential. It's, he's not always going to be on. So I think we can slip him, be potentially be behind some of the defense and especially exploit that. And then on the defense, I'm going to say um, Jihad Campbell. I think the rotation with Tresman Marshall and an inside linebacker, I think it's going to be key uh, to keep guys fresh there and uh, just to still use that talent. And I think Jihad Campbell is huge. So those are my two. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Those, those are definitely uh, two two huge uh, and critical uh, players on the field. I think that for me, uh, no surprise here, I think McClellan's going to be the X factor on the offense. I think just pounding uh, pounding the ball up the middle, um, creating the – wearing down the defensive line as well as opening up the opportunities for play actions, potentially some, some run pass options as well. Uh, I think he is going to be uh, the foundation in which we build the rest of the game on. Um, and that'll open up the doors for all the other opportunities that we've been talking about. And defensively, uh, everybody knows what we've been saying all season. I think Alex Turner uh, just being the kind of the glue that holds that defense together and being the leader on the field. Um, I think him getting the pressure on Daniels is going to be a huge thing. Um, I think they're going to utilize him in more than just a straight rush. I think that, you know, he might drop back into spies. He might do some contain. You know he has the capacity to do it. We've seen him uh, execute at a high level in multiple layers on that field, so I think he's going to be a huge part of contain, uh, containing the quarterback. I agree, and that leads to the third question. It says, what is a weakness Alabama can exploit in Jaden Daniels? And I have mine. It's a very quick. Jaden Daniels this year against Florida State, Auburn, and Ole Miss has tried to play some hero ball, and he's tried to hurdle a few guys this year. In the first game, he tried to hurdle Jared Burst. And against Ole Miss, he tried to hurdle, I believe, uh, one of their secondary guys. And against Auburn, he tried to hurdle um, Asante, I believe. He got laid out on all three of those, and he fumbled twice on those. And, I mean, he got laid out. And, see, he's not that big of a quarterback. He's kind of scrawny. He's definitely not as big. I mean, he's he's not a K.J. Jefferson. He's not a Graham Mertz. Uh, he's not a Quinn Ewers. I mean, he, I mean, he's definitely not a Jalen Milrow type. He's not bulky like that. I mean, he he's – I'll go ahead and say it. I mean, he's a pipsqueak. I mean, just, I mean, he's a quick pipsqueak, but, I mean, he's he's outside of that. I mean, so if he wants to play some hero ball and he gets cocky, he's going to get hit and he's going to hit hard. So I say bring the physicality. I mean, I want a 2013 Zach Mettenberger ending for Jaden Daniels where we sacked him four straight times on the last possession and Mettenberger was literally crawling off of the field because he was hurting so bad with grass stains all over the back of his jersey Blood literally coming out of his, um, I think, his nose and his eyes. I want Jane Daniels to literally have to crawl off of that field on, on like, just at any point in the game. Like, I want – that's what I want to see. I want to see Jane Daniels really crawl off that field. So, use his hero ball against him. And, and, and I think if you start to collapse the pocket, I don't necessarily know that he's that calm under pressure. And he may prove me wrong, but – I haven't really seen it yet. Well, that's you know that kind of leads me into kind of what I was going to say as far as under pressure. I know you know we talk about those quick passes and that's kind of strategy. I think one of his main weaknesses is when he sees those quick pass uh, passing routes kind of collapse and though not having a lot of option, I do see a little bit of panic and he doesn't really read the field as much uh, as far as it comes to you know getting the ball off. He he scrambles a little bit. So I think if we can cut down, like we talked about earlier in this episode, on those quick passes, um, kind of force them into a panic scenario, and then bring that bring that heat. Um, I think that that's the key. I think slowing down that, forcing him to to do what he's not prepared to do, not planning to do, 
and then taking advantage of it at that point. I think that's going to be something um, that we're going to have to be able to do, but that'll be a weakness that I think we can capitalize on. I agree. And then very quickly, our last uh, question, will the crowd affect LSU like they did Tennessee? My answer is yes. I think it's going to be even louder uh, because, you know, these two games were personal for them uh, this year because of what happened a year ago. I think it's going to be even louder. College game day is going to be there. SEC Nation, I believe, will be there as well. Josh Pate is going to be there. So a big weekend in Tuscaloosa again. The eyes of the college football world are on it again. Dry their seat for the SEC West. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, so, yeah, I think the crowd plays a big, a huge part in this, and I will be a part of it, and I'm glad to say it. Yeah, man. Bryant Denny is unlike anything else, and I think that uh, – Especially at night. Oh, yeah, buddy. You you know it. Uh, I think that intensity that the crowd brings is almost as important as the intensity the team brings because they can offset – they can throw off so much. Um, tempo, uh, obviously play calling becomes an issue. Snap count becomes an issue. There's so many different issues can happen um, when the crowd brings the heat plus the pressure – um, and you know those fans get fired up, and I'm 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 excited for it. So I 100% think it'll have an impact on the game. All right, all right. We got about a I think we have about a minute left. So Cody, very quickly, Alabama LSU 6:45 CBS Saturday night, Bryant Denny Stadium, Tuscaloosa for driver's seat in the SEC West. What's your prediction? 31-21, Alabama. Roll time. Roll time. Always. Um, Mine's uh, not too far off of yours. I have seven points more for the Crimson Tide, three points more uh, for the Tigers. Um, I go 38-24 Alabama. I just think the crowd, uh, I think we can exploit the defense. I think LSU's going to have their points. I think they're going to have their drives, but I think Alabama can make some plays. I think they've had a good two weeks to prepare. LSU's also had two weeks to prepare. So it's definitely going to be a showdown. It's going to be a good offense, and it's a good defense. And, you know, kind of the – Average offense in Alabama, a little above average offense against um, a very struggling defense in LSU. So it's going to be one for the ages, I think. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining tonight. Uh, as always, you know, be sure to follow on the page as well. We love you guys. As always, happy to have Cody Saxon back on here for the third straight week. Y'all enjoy your college football Saturday. We love you guys so much. Just remember, stay safe out there. Hope everybody had a good Halloween. Hope everybody stayed safe as well uh we thank you guys again be sure to check out the page it's still growing um this episode will release tomorrow on spotify amazon prime music apple Podcasts, and iheart radio music as well so good night and god bless and as always roll time roll